welcome to the Wealth and Purpose Podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to creating wealth in a way that feels really good and live their purpose fully in the process. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive business coach. I'm also a wife, a mom to two preteens, a professor, Girl Scout leader, and well, hey, you get it. Like you, I wear a lot of hats. Whether you're looking for inspiration to get started or strategies to get growing, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey everyone, welcome to the Wealth and Purpose podcast. And today I have Susie DeVille with me and I am super excited to introduce you to her because as I said, when I launched this podcast, it was really important for me that you all got to meet some of the amazing people that I've met along my journey that have taught me something about creating wealth with purpose. Susie is probably the newest of the people I call mentors and friends in this journey. And as soon as I met her, I was blown away by her story. I immediately felt that she is someone that was probably born with the wisdom of a sage and lived her life that way and gives and shares her wisdom openly. But like most shamans, she had some difficult moments along the way, and she's going to share that today. I'm going to tell you a little bit about Susie professionally so you get a sense of how accomplished she is, and then we're going to get into the real story. So this girl has entrepreneurship in her blood. She grew up in a household where being an entrepreneur was necessary. She helped work in the family business since the age of 12. And always her desire to free people and help them express themselves and be the best version of themselves has driven her. She's studied anthropology, traveled the world, worked in publishing, launched the Literary Council of Highlands and the Peggy Crosby Community Service Center, She became a real estate top producer, launched her own firm, became a certified life coach. OMG, does it get any better than this? Susie has over 25 years of business experience, has launched multiple nonprofit organizations and startups, but the greatest learning Susie has had has come from embracing art, inspiring creative confidence in others, and opening her eyes to the world around her. So what I love about Susie is when I met her at this retreat we were at together, she, there was a point in time where someone needed to step in and really bring uh, context and structure, but do it in a very loving way. And Susie immediately was able to do that. This woman is so multi-talented. It's just amazing. And with that, welcome Susie. Thank you so much. Wow. What a beautiful introduction. Thank you. (laughs) Oh, thank you for being here. So, you know, there's a couple of questions that we ask everyone, and I want to just ask the first one, and then let's get into your story. So what is your definition of wealth? So I have tried to figure this out for quite a while um, because I have had what some people would consider dire circumstances, and I have been insanely happy, and I've also had wealth and not been so happy. So I've come back to it over and over again. And what I have landed on is that for me, all of my core desired states come back to freedom. And that is not only the ability to be free to do X, Y, Z, 
but also the freedom from certain things. So wealth to me is expressing yourself fully. And it's also the freedom to travel, have ideal health, be able to fund my dreams. Um, But also it's freedom from toxic relationships, from unfulfilling work, from stress over money. And uh, it's, it's an opportunity too, I think, for us to look at how we want to attract wealth. Because I think in our culture in the West, we are very good at white knuckling it through to get to some desired goal. And ultimately, if you ask people on the street, and I've done this, what do you uh, consider your, your magic number for your target wealth to be? Invariably, it's two times what they have now or two times what they're making now, regardless of where they fall on the scale. So we can haul our physical bodies through time and space with a great deal of effort to get to a desired goal at the cost of our health and our well-being, which I've certainly done. I mean, I have gold medaled the, the efforting approach, and it, and it really wrecked my health. And so when I got to the understanding of how to achieve more by doing a lot less and having a lot of allowing replace efforting, I really felt like I had crossed into a whole new territory of being able to attract the kind of life that I truly love. And once you get to that energetic state, you begin to manifest in all kinds of very improbable ways. And if we have time, I'll tell you a story at the end about one of the most <laughs> improbable ways of, I've ever experienced of attracting wealth, which was completely connected to my state, my energetic state. Nothing to do with anything I quote unquote did. Ooh, I love that. So now just for you listening... <laughs> I put a note, improbable wealth story. We will definitely get to it because that would be just heartbreaking, right? Because I can talk to Susie after this interview. But that, was, that was so messed up. That's but now right. you all have to listen to the end of the interview. It's really good. And so the hook. There you the, go. The art of the hook. So, so I love that. So here, um, you know, for those of you listening, what I find so fascinating about Susie, because you don't get to see her right now as an audio recording, is she's the type of person that if you're you're with her, at least this was how I felt about you, Susie, is that you were one of those people that just was always wealthy, not just monetarily, um, and maybe not from like that that um, balanced place that you said, but you gave me the impression that you just came from this foundation of money and that you walk through the world with a wealth mindset. And I, I don't remember what caused me to start asking you about it. Maybe you did share some, some part of your journey that kind of opened up that conversation. But ultimately, when you told me the story of what you had been through, it just, 
it just amazed me. And I think it would be such a helpful story for everyone to hear. So I know you have a really funny way of describing it and it's completely gone out of my head, yes. but it has something to do with nuclear. So well, tell me. first, the good yeah. news for anybody who is listening, who is going through some tough times, uh, there is hope. There's always hope. Um, if If Patty's impression of me is one that I had been coming consistently from a place of wealth and wealth mindset, then there's hope for everybody. So, um, <laughs> so my story is in uh, 2008, of course, the United States uh, and my area of the country in particular, I'm from the mountains of North Carolina and I'm in a resort community. We were hit very hard, like everybody else, with this incredible great recession. And as you recall, the recession hit two industries particularly hard, which were the real estate industry and the construction industry. I became licensed in real estate in 2001, and at the time was married to uh, my husband, who was a contractor. So we got the rug pulled out from underneath us um, in, in two ways. And so 2008, 2009, 2010, all the way through 2012 was a time of um, literally, I mean, I, I, there was a moment where I actually looked at my Jeep and thought, you know, I think I could probably sleep in that if I need to. <laughs> um, so we literally lost everything, including the house. At the same time, we decided we were going to get separated and divorced. So from 2010 forward, I left the house. And the only thing that I wanted to bring with me was my son um, and the baby pictures. So I left with... $250,000 worth of debt and literally nothing. I mean, I had my clothes um, and my books. So, yeah. Can I just stop sure. you for a second? Because um, I didn't talk about you being a mom. And I do think that that's important, especially for those of you who have children, because I know a lot of times we feel like we, we have to make different choices when we have children. Excellent point. Um, and, Excellent. and that point that all you wanted to take with you, I'm going to cry. <laughs> Susie, you're the first one that's made me cry so far in the podcast. It's a reverse Oprah effect. <laughs> um, you know, that when it comes down to it, it says a lot about your core values is that when you were facing this, all you needed was your son and the baby pictures. And I just want to drive that point home because as the story continues, it just speaks a lot to the foundation you built the rest of your life on. So um, go ahead. Well, it, it, it really was. I, I mean, it, it wasn't like I got to the uh, realization and the decision in a linear, pain-free way because... I and, and I'm very glad you brought up the fact that um, that I have kids. So my youngest son is my biological child, and the two older children are my stepchildren. And so, when it was time to go, I was sitting there thinking, "How is this going to impact the kids? 
how, how am I actually going to do this? Um, so I sought the counsel of an attorney and I said, okay, so I'm trying to, and I have a very strategic mind. And so I was trying to figure out how to set a strategy for how to do this. And I said, okay, do I do this first? Do I do that first? How, how do I tell the kid, you know, what, what, what's the process here? <laughs> and he said, Susie, you're in a boat in the middle of the ocean and it's taking on water. Just get out and swim. And I was like, okay. So I just, from that point forward, I realized I just need to make decisions and, and go right. So rather than sitting there having this circuitous path in my head of what's better, what's better, what's better. I just started making decisions. So I made the decision on uh, how I wanted to talk to the kids about it in in a way that I thought would be the best. But that was after many months of trying to pry away from my thinking, the notion that you stay married for the sake of your children. And it wasn't until I realized that I was modeling for them the exact opposite of the way I would want them to live their lives. That was the key for me to to really stepping into to my authenticity and my truth with them. And interestingly, um, the the thing that I dreaded the most, which was the conversation with them, they kind of looked at me and said, "Right, we 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 know it's it's not good." <laughs> um, they they were so non surprised. It was really interesting. Of course, it was difficult because we had to go through all of the toing and froing with with visitation and all that. But really, it was a relief. Now we have this this thing that was previously unspoken, where but you could feel the energy of it in the house. Now it's out in the open, and now we can deal with it. And so that really gave me the momentum and the map for how to do everything, be, you know, beyond that point. So I move into this little townhouse. I was renting a townhouse. And at the same time, so this is 2010, in the middle of the worst economic uh, conditions of our lifetime, I decide I'm going to launch my own real estate company. And I was going to take 250 square feet of the back of the building where my dad's shop was located and renovate it and turn it into an office. And I had no money, so I renovated a building with credit cards, which I don't recommend. <laughs> um, but that was what I had to do. And so, but I could, I could sense and I could intuit the market was shifting. And so from that point forward, I really had traction. That was so, slow traction, but traction. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I want to just um, ask you something about that. So you had $250,000 of debt. Yep. And yep. you had no money, but you were, you did, you were able to rent. So what were you, were you able to, were you were still selling some properties? Like what was the, how were you actually getting the money to pay the rent and um, to even have a credit card balance available to you? Yes. So I had previous to the downturn, I had spectacular credit. <laughs> um, it was you know, 800 or something um, credit score. So I had, I had tons of credit available to me. And, and remember, if you had a great credit score, 
back in that time period. This is before everything kind of caught up. So I was getting those checks from American Express and City Cards and all those places where they're like, ah, here, write, just write yourself a check. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, I think I will. Thank you very much. <laughs> um, so that's literally how I lived. Now, here's, here's what else I did. I coached people and consulted in order and bartered with people to get, like, for example, I coached a woman who was a caterer and got food. I coached a, a local magazine in exchange for free advertising. Um, I worked deals all over the place to creatively fund the first few months of my business. And then I knew I could get the closings to sustain it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I so. want to stop you there because that's what I feel yeah. is so special about you, Susie. And I'm still learning a lot about you. You know, we're still pretty new friends. But one of the things that stands out to me is you have this very strong linear way of looking at business and looking at growth. And yet you still use creativity as the foundation of everything you do that you don't, you know, you don't lock yourself in on fixed thoughts. You know, that growth mindset, they all keep talking about, you seem to have it in spades. Mm -hmm. Well, and thank you. That's a very, very nice compliment. Um, I can totally attribute that growth mindset to how I was brought up. And it, I was brought up by my dad, and, uh, who's an, who was an entrepreneur, um, and my mom, who was a retired school teacher. And so I had the best of business. And my dad was also an artist. So I had the best of business, art, and also the love of education. And so everything that they said to us in word and in deed was, go for it. Even when I had literally nothing and I was encouraged by real estate clients to start my own company, I was saying to them, I don't really think that's a smart idea. My parents were cheering me on. Oh, you can, of course you could do that. You you can figure it out. So they've always had that. You can figure it out. And we have complete and utter confidence in you, which of course just seeps into your cells. So even when I might not have had my own confidence, I could lean into theirs um, and do, you know, highly improbable things on a shoestring. I love that. Okay. Keep going with the story. So okay. you get, you got some closings yep. and now what happens? So I get, uh, we're, we're now in 2012, 2013 and, uh, the market is going up and down like a roller coaster. And of course the expenses and cash flow kind of mirror all of that. So I was at a point in 2013 when I literally had about $400 in the bank. And I decided I was still going to take my son on a very uh, promised vacation. So we went to Cape Cod. (laughs) And I had a deal come together on a multi-million dollar house. And it was 
it was an enormous sum of money in terms of a commission. The, there was a critical point during which the deal looked like it was going to fall apart. And I stepped away from the negotiations and I turned my phone off and I took my son fishing and he was just beside himself because he's very keyed into my work and my negotiating. And he said, you're what? You're what? He said, get back on the phone. <laughs> and I said, no, we're going to go fishing because there's nothing more I can do here now. Let's let, let's let the two parties find some opportunities to come together on their own without me involved. And that's exactly what they did. I came back into, we went fishing. I came back into the, to the room, turned the phone back on and I had messages. Yeah, we figured it out. We're a go. Mm. So that was the beginning. Okay, can, I, yeah. can I stop you again? Yeah. Sorry. Susan, yeah. I just, I love highlighting things in case someone's like listening in the car and they zoned out for a second. I want you back. <laughs> I want you paying attention to that <laughs> because so important is that one of the messages I talk about all the time is you do your hundred percent and then you surrender to the universe. Yes. And that to me is such a great example of it. Okay. Keep going. So that was the beginning of my coming out of the subsistence uh, life of just barely making enough money to cover my bills. And, and it, can you just, yeah. sorry, I keep talking over you, but um, okay. just remind us again what that time frame was. So from so this is 2013 now. And I am, I now have the big deal that came together and that was about a year's worth of burn rate for me. So you were investing in your business and living at, you know, paycheck to paycheck or maybe not even on credit and then a, a, for about a year. That was no 2010, 11, 12. Yeah. Oh, okay. it was, it, yeah. So it was, it, it, and, and some of 13 okay. that, uh, that big deal was the breathing room mm. that enabled me to really be able to shift into a different mindset entirely. So I had one level of great energy and juju and the ability to surrender, which got me that deal, the first one. But then I learned how to really take it to a completely different level. And that was the deal that, um, and if you'd like, I can tell you, this is the, the improbable wealth story. If you want me to tell you, tell that. We're only 20 minutes in, but go ahead, give it to them. Um, so I took, uh, I, I went to Florida and I had three days at a retreat and then I, did something that I typically never do, which was, I highly recommend this, by the way, is that I, in advance, kept a day of buffer after the event was over. I didn't just jump on a plane and come back, but I took an entire extra day to just sit on the beach. So I went out to the beach. I had my journal. I was plunked underneath a, an umbrella so I didn't cook. And I literally spent the whole day there with one singular vision. And that was I wanted to sell 
my parents' property, which they had listed with me, which they really wanted to sell because it meant financial freedom for them. And it also was the ability for them to move into a house that was a lot less maintenance and stairs and all of those jolly things. So I said, you know, here's what I want to do, universe. I want to sell this house. Now, this property is located uh, right at the edge of town. So I didn't just want anybody to buy it because I didn't want it to become this ugly, hideous eyesore at the edge of town. I wanted somebody to buy it who I knew would make something beautiful with it. And so I not only asked for this property to sell, I asked for a very specific person to buy it and had zero idea how I was going to communicate with this person because she is um, incredibly protected by lots of layers of people around her. So I sat on the beach with that vision in my head, and all I did was kind of close my eyes and bob up and down like if I were in the water like a buoy, but I was on the shore and just was in this very dreamy state the entire day and did literally nothing else other than just envision this happening. And then at the end of the day, I went back to the hotel. The next day I flew home and I flew home on a Friday. On Tuesday of the following week, the door to my office opens and in walks the very person who I wanted to buy this property. So good. Somebody I had never met in my entire life. And she just walked in. She introduced herself. Um, and she sat down and she said, you know, that property across from the post office. <laughs> and I just about passed out. And I said, yes, ma'am, that yes, that's my parents' property. And she said, well, let's go see it. So she said, uh, we're in the house and she's looking around and she says, okay, let's, let's go put an offer in on it. So to be able to fully <laughs> express this, this sale took my parents completely. So no debt whatsoever Buy a beautiful new home. It, I became completely debt free and funded my, uh, oldest sons and my youngest son's college educations and had money in the bank, bought a brand new, well, it was a um, brand, brand new to me, um, vehicle, just, I mean, it was unbelievable. And that was a complete shift for me in terms of how I moved in the world, what I believed was possible, what I knew people were capable of. and that I wanted to wrap that into the work that I do with people. And so healing and protecting your energy is at the very core of my methodology. I consider it to be our greatest, most sacred task. And it has a ripple effect throughout your life, your, the lives of the people in your family, as well as your clients and the uh, impact that you can have in the world. That's so amazing. I love that story. And there's, so there's a couple of questions I have about that, that I'm thinking 
probably some of the listeners have the same questions. So the first is, um, so you're on this beach, right? And you're bobbing. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I'm picturing myself like after an hour, I'd be like, I'm hungry or this mm-hmm. is boring or mm-hmm. like, tell me, did anything like disrupt that bobbing, loving kind of floaty, whatever you were doing on the beach? I love your question so much because it really gets at, I think, the complete core of how you do this work. And (laughs) that is, (laughs) we are continually challenged by what Joe, Dr. Joe Dispenza would call the animal of our body, right? So Mm -hmm. that I'm hungry, it's too damn hot out here. Um, I'm bored, you know, those kinds of things. And what our task is, is to champion that animal and sort of put yourself in the driver's seat. Or if, if you were a cowboy sitting on a horse in a saddle, you, you and that horse wants to run off, you you have to pull those reins back and, and say, whoa, now, whoa, now, stay. So there are moments when we are challenged with the animal of the body or our frustrations or our mindset or could be pain in the body. It could be just a number of things. And if we allow ourselves a little bit of time to kind of square ourselves into that saddle a little bit and say, hang on now, hang on, hang on. You will find that that uncomfortable emotion or that uncomfortable physical feeling will dissipate. Now, it may not go completely away, but we over-exaggerate in our minds the uncomfortable moment And we don't want to feel uncomfortable or we don't want to feel pain so much, we literally will run from it. We literally will avoid it at all costs. But if you'll kind of settle into it a little bit and let it just come, it tends to kind of burn itself through. So you can, you can maybe for the first time you try it, maybe you, you can, Take what used to be 20 minutes and turn it into an hour or an hour into two or two into five. And I am a very good meditator. Um, I know it's not for everybody, but I know that that has helped me with my fire fleeing tendencies, which means when an, when the unhappy feeling comes like, like uh, Dory <laughs> when that scary fish came down in front of her and she was like, oh, happy feeling gone. <laughs> So if I have happy feeling gone, I want to run. I want to physically move and that can result in too much work. That can result in uh, procrastination or whatever it is. So I have to call, I have to call myself home. I have to call myself back mm-hmm. and it's a never ending process. So I, the, the, the great news is, is that you make progress and you get much better at it. The not so great news is that you don't ever graduate. (laughs) You will always have to deal with it. Um, 
But if you know it's coming, it's it's not so bad. I love that. And, you know, I just want to kind of recap a couple of things along the through line of your story that's important that someone may miss because of because of the the ending of the story is Mm -hmm. at least this has been my observation is that, you know, that animal that you talk about is dictated by that fear part of your brain in the back of your head. And, and that part is mostly focused on food, clothing, and shelter and avoiding anything that would disrupt that, which would be any form of change. And in the beginning, if you're where you were, you know, where you have um, debt and right at the moment, no prospects on income in the immediate, like at the very beginning of your story. There's stages to the, to getting to where you ended up on the beach and trying, if food, clothing, and shelter is actually a challenge, addressing that challenge first, getting the income to a point where you are stable, and then jumping kind of up from there might be a more compassionate way to approach this than sitting in case you're sitting there right now and you're at the place, you know, that is where Susie was, you know, where you have this debt or you you don't have income coming in, trying to get to go sit on a beach and Bob might not work for you right away. Like you might need that interim step. Absolutely. Absolutely. So a couple of things I think um, that are important to, to, point out too is that there the the mind is going to tell you that there's danger everywhere regardless if you're in danger or not truly so there's an opportunity to begin to do some great work on dissolving the fear and the limiting beliefs that you have which will serve you well in great times and in not so great times. For me, when I was at the DEFCON one level of, okay, I've got to figure this out. I've got to make something happen here. I was willing to try everything. I didn't put anything through a filter of that's not going to work or that couldn't possibly make a difference or uh, that seems ridiculous to ask that person if they would give me food in exchange for coaching them. <laughs> I tried everything. So I think it's important to put everything on the table as a as an opportunity to see what works for you and to look at everything like an experiment. And that's the mindset that I had was this isn't necessarily forever. This is maybe an experiment to see what what happens when I try this. And I think that's a concept that tends to be a little bit foreign to us because we're taught to go all in on something and launch big. But if we've guessed wrong or we didn't have the stars line up, we can end up losing a lot of money or not get the traction that we're looking for. So I did a lot of rapid prototyping with regard to what I was offering in my real estate company, how I structured my real estate company was very different than how other people structured theirs. I was very intentional about the kind of company I wanted and who I wanted to show up. And so even if you have very little in terms of resources, you have vast amounts of 
potential if you will harness your own creative mindset. It is there within you and never has left. It is in it is inside you 150% and we we will censor ourselves and talk ourselves out of potential paths to do things because it's a habit but you can unlearn that you can you can you can champion that uh mindset with a little bit of practice um but if you're if you're like me and you're in the boat and the boat's taken on water and you're 500 miles from shore it it doesn't there's nothing wrong with trying a lot of different things and having an open uh mindset about what what you're willing to do in terms of getting from A to B. And A to B may be just from nine o'clock in the morning until noon. It just may be that small. Like how how can I do how can I do the morning today? I I love that. And I I want to repeat this because I think that um maybe you've said this before, but now that I hear you say it in these in this phrase, this really is the essence of your brilliance is um, you harness the power of your creative mindset like no one I've ever met. And that's, I think, what your brilliance really is, is helping other people do that as well. Would you agree? Yes. For the, for the purpose, really, of helping people blast through any barriers and to set people free. Mm-hmm. Because I think that's really what we're all after. And I think we want to to reclaim our true selves. And there's this great quote, you know, all I wanted to do was live in accord with my true self. Why was that so difficult? Mm. Well, there's lots of reasons why it's so difficult. But really, we want to re- we want to remember who we truly are and reconnect with that person and then reconnect to our creativity so that we may fully express who we are and live and lead with joy and abundance and courage and do the work that we know we were called here to do. And uh, so that really is, that's the whole essence of my methodology is, or the whole driving force of my methodology is to help people really come back to their inner artist, which can translate into all different kinds of creativity. We tend to just peg artistry as one kind of thing like painting or music or sketching, but it's, there's so many different realms of it. And we're so vastly talented in so many ways that we have forgotten. Oh, I love that. So it, do you think that, I, I mean, we kind of already said it, but so is that your purpose to help people live more freely. Yes, absolutely. And and to and to remember who they are and to reconnect with their creativity. So, I know that you use a term um conscious energy work. So, tell me tell me what that means. So, I had this um fantastic opportunity to take the entire month of February of this year and uh, 
take myself, my dog, and this giant box, which had 12 years of research on innovation and creativity in it. (laughs) And it had scraps of paper, journals, all kinds of articles, all kinds of odd, wad things in it. And I took the month to set an intention about what this work really wants to be in the world. And at that point, I hadn't come up with my methodology that I have now for the Innovation and Creativity Institute. But I had done all of this work with with clients and with entrepreneurs of all stripes and all of this kind of uh, detailed research on innovation and creativity. It was all inside of this box. So I took it down to the beach and I meditated. I walked with my dog and I read everything in this box. And then I completely let it go. I I put all kinds of uh, input into my brain and into my heart and my soul. And then I surrendered. So going back to the same kind of principle that we talked about earlier when I went fishing, instead of trying to force a deal to happen. And what happened was, was that through, again, through a very interesting series of events, the methodology came to me in a divine download. I really can't give a, give a better description of how that happened. And that's typically the way that the creative process works. That's, that it involves an, an enormous amount of preparatory work of plowing the field and watering it and putting the seeds into the ground. Um, and then you've got to let the energy above the ground make the things come forward. And you can't, you can't dig everything up and say, are you ready yet? <laughs> are you coming? Are you coming? <laughs> uh, you have to just let it go. And so it, and that's when the, that's when the magic happens. And so uh, through, through actually surrender. So getting very clear, first of all, very, very clear on what it is that you want to have happen. So beautiful intention setting, clear intention setting, and then layering on top of that intention, a, an elevated state of being. So this is very much in parallel with what happened to me on the beach before, right? So I set the intention, I wanted to sell the property, and I was in this elevated state, and I let go. Um, the same thing happened in February I set the intention of what I wanted this this information to to be. I spent my days in this beautiful beach with my dog and um, was in an elevated state constantly. Meditated a lot in the mornings, and then it just came to me. It came, and I let it go, and it came to me in this beautiful, um, very intuitive fashion that became really the most powerful thing I think I've ever created in my life. And it contains, so there's six, if you look at the diagram and this methodology that I'm referring to is called the creative rebels voyage. And if you look at it, it looks a little bit like a hurricane, 
And there are six elements or six ports of call to this voyage. And what is amazing to me even now as I speak is that those six ports of call capture absolutely everything that was in that box. It just completely blows my mind. And so I just, uh, I created what is the best, in my opinion, the best of what we need to do in order to lead our own lives first and the best of what we need to do in order to be great leaders of others. And again, the center of that is healing and protecting your energy first. And if we go galloping off into the sunset, trying to become more productive, which there's nothing wrong with trying to become more productive. But if we go into those leadership of others areas first, and we haven't done the leadership of self work, then our results are going to be very muted and very superficial. And the leadership of the self-work is the dark night of the soul stuff. It is hard, messy, on your knees, sling and snot kind of work. But it is also your quickest path to freedom. It's your quickest path back to your authenticity, back to your true self, back to your creativity, uh, back to your joy, back to your ability to be vulnerable. Um, and, and your willingness to fully be seen and heard in the world. So it's well worth doing. And it's not all hard. I mean, you know, there's a lot of it that's, that's, you have to be willing to be real, but there's a lot of it that is fun and, um, very revealing. I love that. So, um, so the, the last question I usually ask is, but you've already answered it is what advice do you have for people you know, pursuing wealth and staying aligned with their purpose. And I think you just answered that. What I, what I most want to share with listeners is where they can learn more about, you know, working with you or what you're doing. So if it's okay with you, I'm going to share with them um, a destination URL that we're going to set up that's going to send people right to the latest and greatest that you're working on so that whenever they're listening to this podcast, we'll know they're getting the best of Susie. Would that be okay with you? That would be lovely. So, Thank you. Um, for those of you listening, you can go to pattylennoncom forward slash creative rebel, and you'll get the most up-to-date of what Susie's creating because I've watched Susie and she's an evolutionary type of creator. And so I'm going to make sure that that URL is always updated and pointed to exactly the best of what she has for you. Susie, I... I'm so appreciative of you being here. Is there any last words of wisdom you want to leave with our listeners? Well, I would, I would like to share something that I heard uh, Paulo Coelho say in an interview. And he's the gentleman, of course, who wrote The Alchemist. And he talked about the concept of inspir- inspiration and expiration. Literally, the definitions of those words. So inspiration is breathing in and expiration is breathing out. And he equated the expiration part of the process with creativity. And there's absolutely no way that we can effectively create in the world if we haven't 
filled ourselves first, if we haven't filled our souls, filled our lungs with things that lift us, move us, uh, tear at our hearts, things that give us strength and renewal. And so my parting advice is, is to find for you what fills the well for you. Find for you what makes your heart sing. Go back to the things that you used to do as a kid, perhaps, that you have forgotten or that you got busy and life intervened and you stopped doing. But seek out your inspiration with your whole heart. And from that place of being full and buoyant, you can create beyond your wildest dreams and attract abundance like you cannot even imagine. That's so gorgeous. Thank you so much, Susie, for being here and sharing your love and your brilliance with everyone and with me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. It's been an honor to be here with you. Thank you. Bye, everyone. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of the Wealth and Purpose Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you found us. It fills my heart when I read a review and helps us reach many more people. So thank you. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.